today at 11 a.m., I came back from grocery shopping. And as I'm coming up, there's a voice in my head that goes, it's 11 a.m., dude, you've done nothing. Mm. You've done nothing yet. And then there was a counter voice that said, well, motherfucker, you don't have to do anything. You don't, you don't need to do anything if you don't want to. Don't do anything. And I caught that that's a dialogue. And I didn't quite, I didn't quite get the voice right for the second one. It's more like, it's even, it's more childish. It's like a child that's go, I don't have to do anything. Yeah, uh, I can just, okay. <laughs> it's, a vo- it's a voice that says, that implicitly says, fuck everyone. And sometimes I think I even say that, like, fuck everybody. I don't need to do anything. Yeah. Fuck all this shit. I don't need to do anything. Yeah. And then this, these two sentiments and sentences, let's say, and this kind of little loop, I've gone through this a million times. This is a totally unconscious mm-hmm. loop at the edge of my awareness, hearing it, but not quite hearing it, not being there, not aware for it. And today I heard it fully and I sat down and I went, isn't this funny? The first voice that's an unreasonable dad, that's like, it's 11 a.m. and you still haven't done everything you ever wanted this year. It's like, motherfucker, I did seven things. (laughs) It's 11 a.m., chill. Now I'm at the grocery store also, which yeah, is I doing mean, a thing. What right? do you, yeah, and then I, I picked up the key for a garage. And before that, like I did a couple of things. Just give me a break. It's too harsh. But the response, the <laughs> I don't need to do anything. And like kicking the ground like a little child. Uh-huh. That's a very childish response because it's uh-huh. also absolutely not true. I yeah. do not not need to do anything. I do want to and need to do some things. So it was this, this funny loop that I wrote down and I thought, this is not, it's both kind of comical, right? Because if it played out in real life, I'd be like, well, here's an an unreasonable parent and here's a very unreasonable child and Mm -hmm. childish response. A unreasonable accusation to tell, you know, it's 11 a.m. you haven't done anything when you've done a bunch of things, but it's also a childish and unreasonable response to go, I do not need to do anything. Mm-hmm. And it's not only that, where does this loop lead me to? Like, how does that make me feel, that little inner dialogue, that in, inner little right. dynamic? Where do right. I end up at right. in one moment I feel pressured and overwhelmed and like a failure? And then the next moment I feel like this rebellion kid that goes, fuck everything, I'm dropping everything. Yeah. I will do zero today. And everybody and everything and yeah. everybody can go fuck themselves. Those are two such extreme positions, but then mm-hmm. what do I do right after? And usually right after, I don't do much. Right? I'm sort of annoyed at how little I've done, and now I'm determined to keep that going. So, so. <laughs> the dumbest thing ever. <laughs> this, this fits in the theme of thoughts yeah. that are ridiculous. You know, things yeah. we think that yeah. acted out as characters are yeah. comical like satire of real life. But in my head, I can tell you that I thought these thoughts and I had these voices in my mind. I don't know for how long, but for years and for the past few years, I can tell, I remember multiple Mm -hmm. times a day sometimes. It's 4 p.m. You've done nothing today. See, the day is over 8 p.m. What did you do today? Like that kind of a, I have not accomplished enough today. And then also the angry, fuck everything. I don't need to. Those two 
are always there. Now I still get a shit ton done because there's other voices in my head, thankfully as well, you know, right. that just go, you know, maybe it's the reasonable mom or whatever, or the, the sibling that goes, you know, as the two are arguing, ah, don't worry about these people, let's cook some dinner, you know, and then it's, it's the father and the son are arguing that we put dinner on and we bring them and we sit them down and we start a conversation, you know, and life keeps going on. We don't take right. this too seriously. So there's parts yeah. of me that eventually just go, well, this needs to get done. So I'll do it. And, you know, this is, and then I'm fine. But it's a loop, A, that was beyond my reach. So also beyond my control. Mm-hmm. I didn't choose this consciously as something I want to think mm-hmm. constantly. And it did zero to make me a happier, healthier person. This in no way has ever helped me do anything or feel better about anything that I do do. So once it was in front of my eyes, I thought, isn't this weird? Let me write it down. And now it's at the point of awareness where I don't want to jump to conclusions and say, I'm going to kill these characters or this loop will be replaced by a better loop. But at least and for sure, I will come out of my room when those two are arguing and look at them. Yeah. It's not in the background anymore. Just more awareness, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it ties back to this idea of what are all these ridiculous inner thoughts, expectations, voices, dialogues that are going on that if we could project outward into characters, it would be obvious in front of our mm-hmm. eyes that this is absolutely ridiculous. It's dumb. It's destructive. It's egotistical. It's childish. It's immature. But because it's just half a step behind the line of our awareness and presence, it can run many, many times in the background. Sometimes that background noise that runs consistently and constantly is what runs our life, is what dictates our behavior, our responses, our feelings, our actions. And with that, the kind of life we have, the kind of people around us, the, the way we are and who we become. And we never, ever know what is drive what's the driving force what is the nudge what is the thing that made me feel a certain way and that made me respond a certain way to something what was that it's both beautiful and it's so ugly you know it's so <laughs> such a mess you know yeah. again like this whole thing to me if it was a startup team that told me you know, every time at 1 p.m., one of the founders yeah. is like, we have not done nothing, da, 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 da. And then the other one's like, I don't it's have to do fucking shit. Go fuck totally yourself. Totally dysfunctional. Yeah. I'll be like, this is, you guys, yeah. this is ridiculous. You can't work yeah. like this. You can't get anything yeah. done like this. And it's also yeah. unreasonable and wrong, right? But in my head, as a tiny little voice, it ran maybe thousands and thousands of times, never mm-hmm. challenged, mm-hmm. never exposed, never changed. It was just there. You know, I don't know when it started. I don't know how. I don't know how it got there. It was just there. Right. And also sometimes because we've run through this thing like, you know, 10,000 times, we're familiar with it that it almost like, it seems normal, right? It seems normal mm-hmm. until you do what you did where it's like you really look at it and you're like, wait, this is not normal. Okay, I've seen this 10,000 times. And normally things that occur 10,000 times are normal, but this is not normal. I mean, the amount of things the last year and a half that I've spotted that I thought this is definitely not normal, you know, uh. has, been, uh, has been very shocking. But this, I love the effect that the trial had on me for the past few days, 
because although mm. it has not made me a happier person, it really mm-hmm. has made me look different glasses. And those glasses are, where am I ridiculous? Where mm. am I egotistical in hidden ways? And so I, I am looking at myself and my behavior and my thoughts from a slightly different angle. I walked over to another corner in the room. I picked up another chair from another angle. And I'm just, let's take another look at this room from this angle, from this chair, from this height, from this position, from this perspective, and see, do I find, do I, will I find something new? Will I discover something interesting? Yeah. Does something appear to me different than it did from all the other angles that I've looked at it? And um, to me, even the indication that I want to do that, I mean, being human, I know I must have these things, right? Um, and so I know that I'll spot something. But then also having the desire to walk over and look at the room from that corner, that desire in and of itself is telling. To me, it means there are things, right? Yet, yet another place to look to peel another layer of the onion in ways that I wouldn't have done naturally. Not something that had occurred to me without the book, because it's not something that I have gotten out of all my shortcomings or struggles or weaknesses. It's not something that has ever penetrated to a priority or to the top of a list or nobody's ever even told me anything like that. I've never seen anything to work on this or to even think about this in some serious way. But the book made me go, I do think that we we probably are all more like that than we'd like to admit and realize. Good. Also, not to lessen the impact of the book, but I do think the fact that, you know, um, you do have the desire to be like to go there and, and, and take this perspective, right? And look at things through that lens is a good sign versus somebody who's like reading the book and being like, oh, so ridiculous. <laughs> Such a person. Yeah, I know someone like this. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. um, that's that's a bigger warning flag. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, I, I could easily imagine many people reading the book and going, mm-hmm. this has nothing to do with me, right? This is not somebody I could associate mm-hmm. with in any way. This is not me at mm-hmm. all. Um, and for that reading and that time, they'd probably be right. It's just, you know, it's the the desire you bring, you know, what you want out of these books. Right now I'm reading yeah. these, these books, not just right now, always, but right now maybe in a intensified way, I'm reading these books with a desire to understand the world more deeply, myself more deeply. Like yourself, yeah. Yeah, and to see what is the, universal truth in those storylines in those character characters develop and where do they reflect things back to me that uh, can shine a new light and so i i approach these books that way and so i see these things or i imagine them in ways where somebody reading this because they have to do some work homework assignment or just because they want to be entertained which are both legitimate reasons to read something you know will not maybe make them all of a sudden walk around uh, pulling out their thoughts from their mind and looking at them and going, ha, I knew there's some ridiculousness in me. What is this? You know, right. This makes right. no sense. Right. 
this is also something beautiful about art and, and you know, literature and storytelling, right? Where you could have like a personal development workshop or workbook or, you know, a how-to guide that tells you, oh, look at, pay attention to your thoughts and this and that, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't do it for you, right? But this one, it's a story, but in that, it's like a, you know, like a candy with vitamins inside, some kind of thing. Where it's like... <laughs> yeah, I think that the, the vehicle of story and metaphor mm-hmm. can travel much deeper and reach us, reach within us much further than any surface level instruction of something. But I mean, in both cases, in both cases, you could read a lot of like self-help and then read a lot of fiction and both could not affect you in the way you change your life. I think stories are partially so powerful because A, they render us defenseless when we encounter them oftentimes, if they're effective, mm-hmm. right? It's like, we don't defend kind of against by stories. by the rider. Yeah. 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 We don't defend against stories because by design, yeah. usually the story is about someone else. Yeah. And no matter how similar that person is to us, or no matter how much their learning or struggle relates to us, it's about someone else. So I don't have yeah. to have my defenses up. Nobody's telling me right. what I need to change. Right. Because I have my defenses down, it can reach much deeper and further. It can actually touch me or affect me in ways where otherwise I might have acted or worked against. Yeah. Um, but I think no matter what way you, no matter what way we as humans try to encounter change and growth, this, what makes you ready? Like, what is it that allows you to change versus you maybe have the mental desire to improve something or change something. You might be exposing yourself to any kind of information or writing to help you with that, but then you can't change your behavior or your thoughts or your mind or whatever to get there. That is not all like that can't be affected by necessarily just by what you're choosing as tools to help you get there. It's a weird way. It doesn't matter if it's like, I mean, like whatever, let's say I want to procrastinate less, right? I could like buy a bunch of books about how not to procrastinate, could buy a bunch of books on how to build better habits to not procrastinate. I could read a story about procrastination. I could go to a seminar or workshop. I could get a mentor. I could talk to a bunch of friends. There's something inside of us that needs to open before any of these things could work but sometimes the type of thing that's in front of us helps us open in some weird way yeah i also i also think it's one thing when you have like a clear agenda where you're like okay i i know i have this issue and i want to do something about it but with a book sometimes you know something that maybe the the author of the book experienced and wants to communicate and make people understand right or they just wants to want to share for whatever reason and then you, that's that's not, it's, a, it's a blind spot of the reader you don't even know about the universe you didn't think about this but once you read it it's tricky and suddenly there's a there's a map of that thing and you you realize oh there's this island that exists here in this speck of the ocean that i didn't even know about before you know so i think as that is a it's a really powerful tool because it's this life is so complex and there's 
it's it's such a big canvas to uh, to be on where all these blind spots that you don't know about. I find books are like a wonderful tool to help you discover these. Yeah, they are. There's something truly magical about language in general. Like language is magic in many ways. Like it can transform, like you can look at one item, something real, something physical, something observable. And through the change of language, you could morph it into seven different things, right? You know, the, there's a, a there's an old pen, looks like garbage, and then somebody says, you know, did you know that Napoleon wrote? Yeah, wrote, wrote with it. Yeah. Boom! Now all of a sudden, yeah. this is a treasure, yeah. right? And, yeah. and then you yeah. could say something else about it. Boom! Now all of a sudden, it's again not yeah. that important. Through language, we can project meaning and morph meaning yeah. in ways that are like think about how life would be for us humans with all our brain power but you rob us of language. Like you say, <laughs> we, can, we can have as much IQ and as big of a brain, but we, can, we will not have the ability to create language. Now we're in many ways back to, like we're now maybe one of the more intelligent animals on earth. But look it's, at how- It's unimaginable to me because <laughs> like animals have language, right? Some yeah. kind of language. Well, you uh, know- Maybe you have groaning or something, but you cannot, you can, you cannot, you cannot form a language. Yeah. We are, there is no humanity anymore. Like we are something yeah. else yeah. entirely. Everything doesn't matter if it's science, religion, art, whatever it is, it, it like what enables it is the ability to communicate around it, to give to create words so that we can create meaning around the world and beyond within ourselves and without ourselves. So language is like the fucking, that's the game changer. That's the, the magic. And then writing is a special form of language. It's very similar to spoken language, but still very different. It does different things. It has different, it goes to different places. Sometimes it reaches different next and uh, I can't say it cracks and Whatever. Crannies. Crannies. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know what I mean. I don't have to speak. I know what you mean. I, I don't have mean. to speak language for you to hear language in your <laughs> own head language. and make meaning, okay? Exactly. I just have to make exactly. noises that, you know, exactly. make you think something. Um, right. So, yeah, I think that there's, there is, I think a big part, I wonder if a big part of it is when you read a book is that these words your eyes see the your eyes see the words but they you're speaking them in your mind right. and then you're imagining your voice. yeah it's your inner voice and your inner eye yeah that is bringing the book yeah. alive which yeah. is something that a movie a magazine, a video, an audio, but what well, audio might have a, a different magic to it because it give, it robs you of the voice or it enriches you through a different person's voice. Yeah. And it then even more singularly focuses you on the inner eye, the imagination part, yeah. right? Versus reading is kind of an interplay between your inner voice and your inner eye, but it's completely your own. Like that's the, that's, the only way we can share a story where 
all of the story, although it's someone else's, is being brought to life within you. All other forms of storytelling, there's some interplay between the storyteller and yourself, right? Movie, you just have to observe, eyes open, mind open, ears open. Audio, you're imagining. You know, when you when the theater, uh, some sort of music, you're you know listening and watching. But in a book, it's someone else's story, but it's completely brought to life within you. Yeah, There's the creation something. of the story almost happens within yourself more it's, than any other yeah. medium. And it's not, it, it is, who knows to what degree is your own. Like when you mm -hmm. read a book, such a major part, let's call it 50-50 for simplicity's sake, a large part of the experience of the story is uniquely yours, which will be completely different if someone else reads the same book. That, again, is true also for many other ways of consuming story, but never to that degree, never to as large of a degree as reading a book. Yeah. It's real, is it a real magic to it? It's incredible. Shit. We're already at almost the end of our recording and we've talked about nothing. This is one part of my voice. And then the other part of my voice is going, fuck off, we don't have to talk about anything. We can do whatever the fuck we want on this. Honestly, this is only partly, partially a joke. <laughs> I have thought yeah. this many times when we talk, when we do recordings. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get it, I get it. <laughs> uh, uh.